0: Welcome to one of the segments of the International Pride Day episode that I'm going to um, be so excited to eventually release. I've talked to quite a few beautiful queer people about their stories and this one's extra special because it's with my dear friend Erica who I met um, over two years ago when I decided to take myself over to Western Australia um, and got to know her in such a beautiful way and in such a um a deep way I would say we were like both going through some really big things so I got to um, have the honor of getting to know that version of Erica really well um and for from what I remember we were both maybe in like our third year or fourth year of knowing that we were queer. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, I just remember conversations around it being, feeling relatively new and we were still exploring things and that was really exciting. I know that we've come so far since then and there's a beauty in understanding that side of yourself even more. And that doesn't take away from the beauty and the mess of being able to understand yourself along the way um but what i'm really fortunate to be able to do is talk to this version of erica and i just i welcome you here and i'm so excited to i guess formally listen to your queer journey and your quote unquote coming out story if you have one um and be able to piece together a lot of the different puzzle pieces that i know i've heard from you in this one big episode so i i want to thank you for being here and Um, And thank you for what you've already given me, which has been so many beautiful pieces of your queer story already.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be here.
0: Can I ask first what your what your pronouns are? And then I'd love to know a little bit more about where you're at, what your life is like so that people can understand who they're listening to.
1: Yeah, at the moment I use she, her. I... Always um, allow they, them if it comes up and happens. My partner uses they, them and I find that if we're all in a conversation, it starts to happen anyway. So um, I love it when it happens. I also love it when it doesn't happen. So that's where I'm at with my mm-hmm. pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a little bit about what I do now. For the last oof, um, decade, That feels. <laughs> <laughs> have to say, I've been doing some sort of like marketing PR um or like business assistance kind of help um I am currently in the middle of doing my master's in gender and policy making in the hopes to make a really big difference around how we interact with AFib people and gender diverse people and queer people and all of the things Mm. um so that looks like at the moment I'm hosting retreats that are really anchored in, um, yeah, like art therapy and having a little mini gender and um, I guess like a gender detox is probably really what it is, mm. even though it's not um, exclusive to queer people, it's like made for queer people. Mm. So if you're like not queer, you're still going to have your life changed, but um, it's like kind of a specific space where we're like bringing people home in that. So I do that. I run a course called The Heterifying Truth, which is also like super similar. It's about um, detoxing all the heteronormativity that's shoved down our throats.
0: Mm. Um- <laughs> can, I,
1: can I ask for
0: anyone who may not know, because I know you introduced me to so much of this. Mm. Can you break down uh, heteronormativity for us and, yeah. and I guess the impact that it, that it has on us?
1: Yeah. So heteronormativity in like a nutshell or in like a very like sentence would be the assumption that everyone is straight. When you start to like break that down, it's more about straight culture than it is about people being straight. And then when you get to break that down, which is my absolute favorite thing to do, you learn about how there are all of these assumptions based on our gender or our genitals as to what we should like, how we should act and this like massive propaganda piece that we basically need to be cut in half in order to fit with someone else. Mm. And when I think of heteronormativity, it's that, it's really that assumption that you can't be your whole self. Um, You have to kind of slot into this predetermined idea of what a woman is or what a man is, even if you don't fit into those categories, or even if you do, it's still just laid with assumptions.
0: Mm. Mm. oh I just love it and it just I don't know if anyone else thought this while they were listening but it just makes me think of so many of my different friends fashion the colors we like the music we listen to the the way we style our house there's so many things that um until we unpack it might have been informed by what we were told we needed to do
1: oh I was thinking about Honestly, I was thinking about that before I jumped on, like how much of my personality previously was performance. Like it was like Mm -hmm. performed femininity. It was like my hobbies were based around what I thought would make me more desirable. And so when I was like in those hobbies, I was more concerned about what it would look like while I was doing those hobbies or what I looked like while I was doing those hobbies than actually like enjoying the hobby.
0: (laughs) Mm. God, I resonate with that so much. And I, I saw that you popped on your Instagram, and it made me think so much um, about growing up because there are things that I rejected as a way to reject femininity, as uh, because I was. This is only my own personal story because I was seeing so many stories about women being weak. You know, women are the weaker ones. Yes. Women are the you know the. Men are the strong, powerful ones. So to be more like them is to take on more strength. And um, yeah, I remember like I saw you wrote the color pink. Um, some of the music, did you pop
1: the color pink in there? Yeah, yeah, definitely and music that we definitely.
0: to. Yeah, right. And there's just so many different things that um, that I definitely have rejected as I've grown up because they they definitely, in my eyes, weren't putting me in the the category of the strong one. Yeah.
1: Yeah so interesting when we're creating ourselves because we are taught or it kind of seems like there's only two options, but there's actually three. Mm-hmm. So like when we think of those like basic two options, it's like, okay, I can obey what's being given to me. So I can, you know, um, dress all in pink and frilly stuff because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's what I've been told to do and not necessarily check in with myself around that, for example, or we can rebel against that where it's like, I am choosing to wear all black as a, an example, um, because it's the opposite of pink, but it's still anchored in not wanting to be pink, if that makes sense. So it's yeah. like still controlled by this narrative and it's still limited. Your options are still limited and restricted based on whatever the narrative is that you're trying to rebel against. Yes. Whereas like this beautiful third option of like, what makes you happy? What do you love? Um, what makes you feel alive? Like what feels nice on your skin? Like what makes your eyes pop, right? And that's a whole other category in itself that isn't controlled by, these two options but Mm. and when we hear about like feminism or like fighting for gay rights or all of these things a lot of the time because we didn't know any better or we just actually wanted to take a step forward what we've gone for is just that rebellion and Mm -hmm. so
0: which is still charged by being the opposite of what we're rejecting right which is still so heavily linked to that thing versus linked to what you really want
1: yeah and Um, I it's so interesting when you see this in terms of gender, too. And I'm sure my partner won't mind me sharing because we talk about it as much as possible with as many people as possible. But I find that um, people understand, well, people that we've spoken to, they want to slot my partner, who's non binary, into the transness that they understand based on that like opposing space, right? So it's like, well, you don't want to be a woman, so you become a man. But when my partner comes in and is like one well, non binary, they're like, Short circuiting because it's not a part of this process mm-hmm. where everyone thinks they just have two options. And there's this third beautiful expansive option where there are no rules and mm-hmm. it's created solely out of your soul rather than from these two options. So I think it's really cool when you start to realize in within like gender and within like queerness of being like, okay, um for example, like my sexual identity, like when I got very clear that I didn't like to relate with men. I was like, well, I must be the gayest motherfucker in the world. I must hate men, right? I must, if I don't love them, I must hate them. So then I was like, men ain't shit. They're awful, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I also had a son, so I was like, like I'm conflicted now because he will one day grow up to be a man, and what mm-hmm. then? Do you not like him, like does my love not extend to him then? Like how does that work? And so, yeah. even though it's a very really common process to kind of obey, flip, and then have the growth and the love come in. Um, when I went through it in terms of like my queerness, it was, it was confronting and heartbreaking. And I was like, Whoa, like I'm no longer seeing people as people because I'm doing this flip flopping thing yeah. where I'm categorizing them and essentially doing to men what was done to me. And that sucks." Yeah. Awesome.
0: I remember this I remember you saying you know the it wasn't rejection wasn't the word but the way I'm cutting this off is the complete opposite of what I'm actually wanting to embrace the way I'm putting men in this category (laughs) is the opposite of flow that I want in my life and I always I always remember you saying I look around at some of the beautiful men I've got around me um I mean we've all met our fair share of the sort of men we don't want to connect with anymore ever again but um I remember you saying I've I know these beautiful men, they bring so much to the table and I'm not willing to um, cut them out because I'll always remember that.
1: Yeah, and the compassion that I was able to gain when I was like, even though, um, you know, from my experience of being in a female body and being a woman, that it's a shit in the stick in a lot of scenarios. Um, Mm -hmm. The box that we're shoved into and the assumptions that are made about us And people who are men or identifying as like, they don't also get a great end either. (laughs) Like it, Mm. it isn't great. Like, and it's so fragile. And that's why some people protect it in such a violent way. Because if you've worked hard to try and slip into this cage and you've made your home in that cage, you have plants in there and maybe a dog, I don't know. It's like, you will defend that until it goes down. And the, the intensity of that defense, I think, comes from its fragileness, like this, because it's so it is fragile like when you get a list of um, roles or personality traits or interests that you have to like in order to prove your masculinity or prove your femininity Mm. that's what's going to make you desirable to everybody in the whole wide world and validated and all of these things like it's fragile because it's not real
0: Mm. you're so right you're so right (laughs) when you um when you were saying like you it became abundantly clear that it wasn't men that you wanted to continue to relate with um can you talk us a little bit through that
1: it's actually I always get the same image you seen like Nemo right and it's like yeah. at the start and there's like Marlon and Nemo and he's like coming out of the anemone and going back in out story <laughs> basically I was like Nemo in that anemone and I would come out and I'd go back in and I'd come out and go back in so there wasn't like a pivotal time well I actually thought there was but when I talk to like my sibling, for example, like my brother, he's like, you have come out so many times. We know you're gay. Just like st- stop dating men. Like it's enough. Just, we get it. <laughs> Just no more. Um,
0: you can so- put a pin in the chapter now. Babe.
1: <laughs> no, honestly. So I was kind of, um, it, it was hard for me to accept myself. And the reason that I'm so um, big on heteronormativity before I like go into the funny parts of the story of coming out and back in and all of those things Was because that's why I kept going back in. Like, I kept going back in because, for example, like the way that it's depicted on TVs, uh, sitcoms, like books, everything, it's like there is this, (laughs) unfortunately, understanding or idea that you're going to be unsatisfied you're going to be unhappy you're going to have to cut away at parts of yourself or give up or submit or surrender as they say in the spiritual community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I was like oh everyone is vastly unhappy and unsatisfied and that's just life actually in relating and that's why I would keep going back because I was like my standard I didn't have one it was incredibly Mm -hmm. non-existent or so low And I thought that the unhappiness or the disconnect or the lack of like value in my relationship with men who I was romantic with was just what everyone felt because that's how everyone spoke about it. Like no one was coming with their partners and, you know, everyone was feeling this pressure to do all of the, you know, housework or all of the emotional labor or, um, you know, was putting down their husbands or partners, or if they were going away for a week, it was a really common story where they had pre cooked everything and written down a list of everything that needed to be done so that their husband didn't fuck it up. Like it was like, (laughs) the standard was so low and depicted as being so low that I, I didn't get to the point where I'm like, I'm gay. Like I'm just gay. That's it. Because I thought it was supposed to feel like that. Yeah. It took me so long. So yeah, I I mean, my first kiss was a girl. I always had crushes on my best friends. But because of that low standard, I was like, this is just how everyone feels about their best friends. Like that's just, mm, <laughs> that's just life. Um, And yeah, this like low standard of pleasure again was like what really tripped me up. Because then of course I kissed boys, but I was just, I don't know, kind of thinking about the mechanics of it or thinking about like what I needed to do next. And it was so performance-based me um and then of course like there was a level of confusion when I would find pleasure from stimulation with men mm. and so then I was like well I don't I'm not like completely numb so I must not be like fully gay because it's not like bad if I close my eyes and imagine some women um and so I you yeah, know basically just <laughs> went in and out of it and read every fucking men are from venus women are wait men are from mars
0: (laughs) but um, doesn't that just sum it up the way you said it
1: (laughs) (laughs) alison armstrong david david shit i could get my hands on to try and like sculpt myself into a straight person because i was i just thought well these books wouldn't exist if it wasn't hard for everyone so it must just be hard for everyone um, and thank goodness someone wrote about it so I can sculpt my personality <laughs> based on what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and I really just gaslight the shit out of myself being like, I'm the problem. Like, especially in my journey through like hyper spirituality of being like, I create everything. So I must be the sole reason that this isn't working and they're unhappy. And I just had this, like, I couldn't shake it, this feeling that there was something wrong with me. Mm. and and I, I now know that I was gay, but like the, the whole time I was like, there is something fundamentally wrong with me. And once I fix it, then I'll be able to give these people the love that they deserve. Like I, I was like, is it because I'm a Capricorn? I don't know. Like something is happening here and I just can't love them <laughs> the way that they deserve to be loved. And it wasn't until I yeah, had my first, I would say like my first relationship with the girl that like everyone knew about. Um, wasn't just like us hooking up as best friends and then not like even acknowledging it the next morning, which would always happen with my besties. And I was like, oh, crazy. Uh." (laughs) Moving on. Yeah, Yeah, basically everyone is fine. Um, And even like, I think of these moments of like being with my friends and everyone was going around, this is like such a pinnacle moment of like, huh, maybe I'm gay. And they were talking about like their ideal kind of sexual fantasies. We were talking about threesomes, and I was like, honestly, ideal would be like me and like two other chicks. And my friends were like, Erica, interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's a real <laughs> lack of lack of something there. Do you want to explore that one? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and just like so many moments like that where mm, I resonate. You know, you know, we're looking back now, I'm like, gay, you're just gay. It's fine. Don't worry about them. <laughs> um, but when I fell pregnant with my son, which his dad, um, we'd known each other maybe six weeks and that's a stretch. We'd been on maybe three dates. Um, and I felt pregnant with him. And part of the disappointment, well not disappointment, that's the wrong word, but like the heart sinking like my life is about to change was I knew I could never, I thought I could never be myself because I now had this very like hopefully like permanent family and I was giving up a part of myself that I hadn't even been able to fully explore yet mm. and so there was like a like a heartbreak there that I can recognize now but obviously there's a lot happening when you fall pregnant so like it's mm. yeah anyways you're we- so right
0: that is so much to me navigating while you're pregnant
1: honestly. And the whole time I was pregnant, I would just have these massive women-only orgy dreams. Just like every night, go to sleep, boom, like female-only orgy, wake up you be like, I'm so straight. Off I go. to <laughs> work. <laughs> um, and even like when me and my partner, my son's dad broke up, he said to me, he was like, I think you just need to be with a woman. And I was like, how dare you insinuate? that (laughs) the Mm. audacity of you and even like after that I went through this stage of being like Leo has to have a dad like he has to have a male role model or he'll collapse I don't know what I thought was going to happen the world would explode and that was again heteronormativity just like keeping me in this little thing of like I'm going to ruin him if he if he doesn't have men or a man like in his life and um, then I went on a classic little spiritual retreat and I fell in love with a woman there and the direct comparison of my capacity to love women really like sunk in for me I was like oh this isn't just how you feel about your bestie like I'm this is love like and this is the first time maybe I've been in love to this depth and I can't control it I can't control myself I genuinely care and feel attached and want to know where this is going or not going like I'm invested and uncomfortable and all of the things that i had heard people being in relationship but hadn't really experienced myself because I was so like I just thought I was guarded I just thought I needed to I make this joke all the time like I used to get this weird pain in the back of my heart like, but in my back. Mm. And I was like, oh, my heart must be so closed and energetically. That's why that was happening. And then I found out I have scoliosis and I'm gay. And I was like, well, that's <laughs> what that was. <laughs> but that's- you have had the, the
0: this awakening in, in such a, so opposite to the stories that we usually read about like connecting in with spirit and everything like that. You you just so much got so real, so quick for you. And I love to hear about it. It's so
1: refreshing. Look, I love to journey it. So it's been good. <laughs> so the, like I said, kind of, yeah, like a bit of a Nemo moment. Like mm. I would date men and then I would get drunk and I would kiss girls and I'd go, oh shit. <laughs> and then I would, I would have that direct comparison after breakup with whatever boyfriend I had at the time. And I think because in society as well, there's like this, this weirdness around lesbians where it's like a performance for men. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I was allowed to go and kiss girls in my supposedly monogamous heterosexual relationships Mm -hmm. because it wasn't valued. It wasn't seen as serious um, or anything like that. But as soon as I would go and do it, I'd be like, damn, that was really nice. I really like kissing women and shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you should watch your back boy because, like, this isn't harmless performative stuff. This is, like, I could really love someone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, um, yeah, it was just really beautiful to feel and be like, oh, there's not something wrong with me. I'm just in the wrong situation. Like, mm. and that's it. Yeah. Mm. I find, I mean, what you just said there is something
0: that women go through so much um, in I guess displaying affection or being in these sort of relationships that it is performative and that it is like inherently sexual. And um, I think it's changing what I, but then again, I can live in a bubble um, of of safety. And I know a lot of my friends don't consider that they consider how the person treats me. And, you know, if I'm happy and those sort of things versus like, oh my God, yeah, she's so hot and it's so hot. Um, I think that's such a, a an important point to make. Um, while you were speaking, I was wondering, I don't know if I've ever, uh, ever asked you this, but what some of the biggest challenges were for you as you were exploring this side of yourself and as you were, um, I guess, peeling back the layers of what you thought was right for you?
1: So the thing I found the most challenging in my journey yeah. was yeah, just how hard I had been on myself thinking that there was something wrong with me because I wasn't fitting in to this box effortlessly, that it wasn't coming naturally to me, even though it was being force-fed to me that it should be natural. And I feel like when you're told that something is supposed to be natural and it's not, like, you, you really spiral. Like, it's so easy to be so incredibly hard on yourself. Mm. And even though there have been, like, mental challenges, mental challenges um, and a lot of discomfort that comes with, you know, being any type of queer, I think really what I think broke my heart the most was how much of an asshole I was to myself until I realized that actually what it was, was that I was gay. Like, mm, it, it was hard. Like, of like, Yeah, it was, um, and still is sometimes if I think back to like how hard, like I really think about reading those books how hard I tried to be straight, but not knowing that that was it. And I think if I had of had more queer friends, even for example, like I didn't, I was not in a queer community. I was not around people who, um, you know, weren't kind of gunning for like heterosexual white picket fence life. Like even through my whole schooling and stuff, it, it was really, um, you know, not <laughs> just not there. Like it, it really wasn't there at all. Um, and so I didn't really have like a reference point. I just thought there was something wrong with me and to think about how much anxiety that caused me, how much stress that caused me, um, how hard I was on myself, like how much I tried to whip myself into this false version of me and the comparison of now fully being myself and even being in a relationship with someone who doesn't conform to gender at all, the conversations I get to have and the questions that I'm asked and, the things that we get to talk about together and discover around our personalities, either being a trauma response or a performance. It's really cool. Mm. And at the same time, like heartbreaking to be like, damn, like I spent 25 years not doing that. Yes. I am
0: sure there are so many people who can resonate with that Erica. And it takes so much bravery just to, just so, you know, I see you in that it takes a lot of bravery at all of these different turns to actually be open to going to that next level of, I guess, pulling off that next layer, because it can be tempting to just stay in the safe little box, but it is usually what ends up really hurting you. Um, And like you said, making you feel shame for who you are or, um, or confusion for who you are when the bravery, like it can be the hardest step ever to take that brave step of discovering more about yourself and going against the grain of what someone told you to be or what, you know, multiple people told you to be, but actually doing it, you are now reaping the rewards of of that in living with your life partner, um, discovering life together, living in Bali together, having so many open conversations um, when previously from what you've said, it sounded like there were times where you just felt, um, I guess, disconnect and that you weren't fully seen or you couldn't fully see them or love them in the way that you you knew that you had the capacity to um so to see like and hear the difference between doing the hard thing and just trying to repress it and continue on of course safety and and um safety definitely comes into it but hearing you being able to experience this life following taking those big brave steps and coming out at different times and um yeah, doing the big things is a really special thing to witness.
1: Thank you. It's um awesome to see the ripple effects too, of like, I know there's so much around raising kids. Um, and I mean that full stop is just a sentence really, but around people who are gender diverse or queer or you know, all of those things. But for example, the other day my son came home, he's four, mm. came home from school and a kid there had been like, oh, like, do you have two mummies? And he's like, no, I have a mummy and a Zazi. And he was like, <laughs> and, if, and that's what he calls my partner. And he, this kid, so the kid was like, well, like, but that's like two mummies. And he was like, no, <laughs> it's a oh. mummy and a Zazi. A Zazi is kind of like a mummy and kind of like a daddy. Like he's like got his own. Um, oh, yeah, like a beautiful so way,
0: beautiful,
1: yeah. And like, just to have him so certain of like of of what categories we've given him and mm. and how we've explained like parenting and who can be parents and um that type of thing. And so I would be so heartbroken if my son had to do the same work that I'm doing, or, At any point for whatever category he's putting himself in or will put himself in, I would be so heartbroken if he was as hard on himself as I've been on me. So I hope that by having these conversations and taking those leaps, like selfishly, um, it's for me, but also to know that the world he's going to grow up in and how he will see the world is going to be different.
0: Mm, Which is so beautiful and would branch into a whole other episode around the rhetoric around children's safety and queerness and um transness and everything that comes along with that. I think what you've just described is the safety that you've created for your little boy to discover exactly who he is and who he wants to be. Um is is its own safe little cocoon and the way that um, child safety is perceived in the context of queerness is wild to me when what you just described is allowing him to be exactly who he wants versus pushing things on him and um, possibly eventually hurting him um, because he hasn't had that freedom to discover who he he is. And, yeah, the lived experience of queerness is 100% and, um a skill as a parent not a not a hindrance to parenting
1: yeah and especially when you like look through the history of straight culture not like straightness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you see that it's like literally anchored in and created for eugenics and white supremacy and like control essentially Mm. that's a whole other episode of being like the history of heterosexuality and how (laughs) (laughs) but um (laughs) when you see that it was made up, like everything ever, like, like the borders in our countries and all the other stuff, like it was just made up and for a purpose. And actually it's not our inherent nature to cut away parts of ourselves to be with people. And the more that we're taught that that is the only way to be loved, like the more heartbroken people we will have. It's awful.
0: Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Um. Oh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. This is like more of a, this is a question that I'm going to ask everyone and I have been asking everyone. I'm excited to hear because I don't know if we ever discussed this. Did you mm-hmm. ever have different, um, did you ever have movies or book characters or or actresses or um, I guess people who inspired you and made, made you think maybe I'm not a heterosexual?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just made like a reel on this the other day. Did you? Um, okay yeah like cartoon characters 100% yep. Stephanie from Hercules yeah um, the evil girl from Kim Possible Shego oh like, my gosh yes <laughs> like what an icon um but <laughs> I was, I was like, <laughs> like chronically obsessed I don't know if you've seen them the mummy movies it's got Rachel Weisz. I think that's how you say her last name in it um I haven't but is she gorgeous Oh, you would like, if I showed you the actor, you'd be like, Erica, that's not at all how you say her last name. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, she's so hot. She's in so many different lesbian movies too. But um, in The Mummy 2, there's this scene, because it's about Egypt and stuff, there's this scene where her and her uh, stepmom in it are like in these skimpy little Egyptian outfits. And they're in this like little fight. And it, oh my God, mm-hmm. I was obsessed that's i actually
0: remember you telling me about this in margaret (laughs) river in like gold like things or something yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah. uh like obsessed. i thought i just i don't know was going through a like i like the egypt stage but looking back i'm like that's not at all (laughs) (laughs) an (laughs) egypt stage i feel like everyone has like a greek stage or like an egypt stage
0: (laughs) When she thinks she's attracted to the toga and not the woman under the toga.
1: Oh, <laughs> just oh, like it. <laughs> I love that.
0: That's so good. Um, any any singers? Did any singers ever come across your path and you were like, mm-hmm? Yep. Yeah.
1: Oh, um, Christina Aguilera.
0: Yeah. That
1: was the first concert yeah. that I went to. And I was like, does my mum know? Um <laughs> she's seen me watching that music video. Um <laughs> hundred percent that who else singers like wasn't like massive for me I was such a little um music fan but like I would sit with my dad watching rage oh, and yeah. it, there would obviously be like women that he would say things about or whatever and I'd be like mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you dad <laughs> yeah 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 and I mean that's actually one of my favorite stories with my dad like bless him he um had He was like brought up quite religious and stuff. And I think, like, everyone has a bit of internalized stuff. Mm. And for ages, it was really hard for him to wrap his head around me being queer. Mm. And we'd have so many conversations. I would have so many references and try. And one day I just got fed up and I was like, Look, dad, do you want to have sex with a man? My dad was like flabbergasted. He was like, Erica. No, I what no, gross. And I was like that is exactly how I feel. That's being that's it <laughs> the end actually. Wow, and- that's a good way to put it into perspective.
0: <laughs> like the actual instinctual knowing that you have dad, that's what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was like a bit of a harsh conversation. I never really thought much of it. And then maybe a year after he was like, "You know, that conversation we had at the pub that time, that really got it for me." And I was like, "That conversation" that one (laughs) um and I mean sometimes it sucks that we do have to like kind of be like walk in my shoes this is the only way I can help you walk in my shoes I'm gonna like you know press this button for you but which is like it's you know its own thing but um yeah it's it's so funny the different Mm. and I think
0: here looking back and hearing the different perceptions of our parents and what helped them to understand or what gave them clues all of that sort of thing I find really interesting because it can be so different from our perception of what happened yeah. um is there are there things in particular that you wish you knew when you were a bit younger like um
1: I guess myths that you wish were busted for you oh yeah like it's so hard to say because I love my life I love my life mm-hmm. exactly as it is I love my son I love my fiance we did the ultimate U hole. it was fantastic like <laughs> I I love explain it? to the listeners what a U you is. <laughs> okay so typical u-haul everyone I'm assuming you guys know the um brand it's a moving company and for lesbians u-hauling is when you move in very very quickly with someone it's very common experience I think most of us have had that experience but um me and my fiance we got engaged after six weeks of knowing each other and after all of dating I guess We were Instagram buddies before that. But um, at three weeks of dating, they moved into my caravan with me because and my son were about to do a trip around Australia. So we call it the ultimate U-Haul because we moved into a caravan and obviously just kept U-Hauling until we moved to Queensland and then to Bali. So we just think it's funny. (laughs) It's
0: it's such a like there's something to it, isn't there? Mum actually asked the other day, she's like, why do lesbians do that? I was like, God, there's so much to it, but I actually can't give you a clear answer. I don't know if it's because yeah. I, think I don't want to generalize that women just love commitment and they're just completely over, you know, run by their hormones and they just do things impulsively because I don't agree with that either. I think that there's so many different layers to why um, why we can jump in. And I think yes. there's also different situations. It has worked out so wonderfully for you. Um, I see some of my friends and I'm like, oh, go steady, babe. You're about to jump into the exact same situation as you did six weeks ago. But what you what you did was um, was really trusting your instincts, which has been wonderful to see.
1: Yeah. And like right. it, it has um, felt different to other you whole options I've had in the past yes. <laughs> so like that. But I know, yeah, you really can't give a succinct answer. But I do think that um, in I can't speak for like being a male bodied and dating someone who's in a male body. But I do think that sometimes the common ground you, you find from your experience as a woman or being in a female body makes you feel more compatible than what you actually are because you have mm-hmm. things in common that are just experiential. Like it's it's just how you've like grown up in the world or things you've experienced. Like you bond over those things
0: that Mm. are
1: more about your experience in that gender rather than like your compatibility. And I think that that gives you like a false sense of like, oh my God, this is the person for me. We fit into each other. We have so much in common, like et cetera, et cetera. That is such a good point. You know, like maybe there's such a good
0: Wait, Erica. Wow. I have never thought of it like that, but it's, it links into just because someone's queer doesn't mean they're healthy for you either. There's a lot of fucked up queer people in the world that, that shared experience of being queer isn't enough to make you compatible as friends or, or romantic partners.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that one took me a long time to figure out because Mm -hmm. I feel like the community compared to like, I don't know, the whole world is small. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so, for like, Sari and I especially, we've always been like, we need more queer friends, we want more queer friends, but Mm -hmm. what we're actually looking for is people who are living queer, not necessarily their sexuality is queer, like, and what I mean by that is, like, I want people who are questioning things, not to the point of, like, living a conspiracy theory, because I am not an off-the-grid gal, um, but, like, (laughs) questioning things to the extent of, like, Why do I behave like that? I take responsibility for the things I do. I want to find myself and be myself. And just queer living in terms of like outside of the norm. Mm. And that's actually what we're looking for because that's what we're doing. And being able to put it in that category for connection, I think has been really helpful for me rather than being like, oh, you're gay. We can be best friends, which actually arguably worked for me in UT. So I'm like not knocking that. That does work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I completely, yeah, there's definitely versions of it where, it just happens to work out, doesn't it? Like the shared experience and the respect and everything then also links up with um, interests and values and, um, and hopes for the future, which we got really lucky with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think, um, I definitely think that that plays part into the, the you hauling experience plus like women in general are socialized to think or to have relationship as their highest value. Like it really is something that we're conditioned to really deeply care about and see is like a pinnacle in our, you know, life checklist. And mm-hmm. so I do think that that tends to make us um, n- not move faster, but have the skills that, yeah, make make it feel like you're more connected. For example, like a lesbian first date commonly goes for like three days. The conversations mm-hmm. that you can have within those three days are a lot more than if you went on a two-hour date for six weeks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of see how you're like, whoa, I've had all these deep conversations. We have all these shared experiences, like we're ready to move in. It's been a month, but we've spent that whole month together <laughs> already. Mm-hmm. I might as well not pay rent over there. Um <laughs> Like you can just see how it happens. And yeah, like we've said, like, it's not necessarily like good or bad. I, uh, you know, I'm enthusiastic for it, even when I'm like, as long as it's not dangerous to the person, like maybe a heartbreak will happen mm. or you'll have to like go to Kmart and redo a whole new rental. Like that's life. But like, <laughs> um, so I'm always for it if it's just the consequence might just be that. But when it's dangerous or drastically incompatible, obviously there's a foot that goes down. But um, mm. I I love a good U-Haul. Mm. Mm, I love that. I can't actually why were we discussing you haul? I think we
0: were discussing about uh we were talking about what you wish you knew when you were younger. Oh, yes, yes. And then you started no, talking no. about you haul. But thank you for <laughs> explaining that because it's an important facet of the of the conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um I don't I don't necessarily want to say that I wish I knew things because yeah, I'm so grateful for my life. I love exactly where I've ended up, even though it's been heartbreaking and painful. What I'm hoping for is that I can save that heartbreak or that pain of not knowing for a future generation. It's probably Mm -hmm. more so where my focus is rather than like what I wish I knew. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching what I wish I knew Mm -hmm. because I love where I ended up, but I think there's a smoother way to get there than the road that I took. Mm -hmm. Beautiful answer.
0: If you were to meet someone today, actually, do you know what? You probably have this all the time in your DMs because I I love that you're open and vocal about your queerness. When you've got someone who's connecting with you um, and is brand new to navigating some of these things, what are are some of the things that you would suggest to them or that you, I guess, help them explore?
1: Or I'm like chronically recommending this book called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality by Jane Maud. She's mm-hmm. um, a scientist and the, is really casual in her explanation of like big scientific or sociology-based theories. Mm-hmm. And even though she writes with a lot of passion, which arguably some people who have read her work is like, oh, it's heavily biased or, you know, etc. cetera, mm-hmm. um, I think that really helps to break things out. And the other thing is, like, go slow. I think that for a lot of us, like, we kick down the door of our closet and come out and we're, like, gay. And we're just ready to make that our whole personality, which I'm on board with. And, <laughs> um, you know, it feels like such a big thing for us. But going slow and understanding that you will progressively get gayer over your life. Like, it, you have these, like, waves that wash over and you unpack another thing and another thing. So you don't need to, like run into it like a charging bull like go Mm. in a way that's sustainable because there will be heartbreak in how you've spoken to yourself previously or there will be heartbreak within family members or friends or people you thought you could trust or you know at the same time as you're unpacking your internalized homophobia or transphobia or misogyny or whatever it is that's coming up for you Mm. like so will other people you will become like a beacon for them to have to look at their own shit if they love yes. you. Yes. And so I always recommend therapy. I'm always like, get a therapist <laughs> somewhere. I don't care who it is, get a good one. Um, And go slow. Like you. <laughs> That's um, really beautiful Like you've advice. got time, like go yeah. slow, you've got time. And just be with yourself in it, I think. Like I to look at the ways that I was like degrading women or expecting things or Um, even how I thought uh, not how I thought but the assumptions I had around sex and and knowing what I need to open and feel connected and yet I had I had to like kind of grow up the part of me that was like all of a sudden like a horny teenager being like I just want to get in there and do (laughs) the thing like I You know, there's a lot to unpack. I think that we're not socialized in queerness and we're not socialized to know who we are from the get-go. Yeah, Um, yeah, I just recommend gentleness all the time and start reading like healthy queer books, start consuming queer content. Like, Mm. yeah, just like get it in your face, like make it normal for yourself.
0: Mm. I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for this chat. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I obviously could talk about this till the cows come home.
0: Oh, honestly, we could talk forever. If people want to, um, you're you're a queer content creator. You are. That's um, definitely something that you're putting into the world as well as all the other multifaceted parts of you. If people want to connect with more queer content, you are one of those people. How could people find you?
1: Cool. So I've just started a new Instagram. So it'll be at Erica May Rain. So E-R-I-C-A-M-A-E-R-E-I-G-N. Rain. I love that you (laughs) close your eyes to spell it out. I love that. I do that too. um I can't spell my own name <laughs> and aside from that on like through that you'll be able to find my substack where I'm basically a myth-busting extraordinaire at the moment I'm really going through and allowing myself to um blog hardcore and all the things that we get stumped by or we just assume are real or true and they're not actually so that's mm. I would say get that in your eyeballs and in your ears when I make it um yeah like vocally recorded Otherwise, if you heard me speak about like the retreats or the hedgeifying Truth or like any of those things, my website is um and you'll be able to have a look on there.
0: Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much, A. Thank you for having me.